Thank you for listening to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast from Asheville, North Carolina. For more information on Trinity Baptist Church, please visit tbcashville.org. Or to learn more about our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton, please visit ralphsextonministries.com. The speaker for today is Pastor Zach Cecilian. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, I'm going to be very brief tonight. I know most of you have come in from work, and I know that a lot of you, including my two boys, have had a long day at school, so we're going to get right into what God has for us tonight, and we'll let Him do the work, and then I'm going to get out of the way. 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to start reading in verse number 8. The Bible says, but beloved... So we know who he's talking about if you're here and you've accepted Christ as your Savior. Uh, Tonight we can dismiss just knowing that you are the beloved. You are the beloved bride. So these verses uh, in 2 Peter are talking to believers. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years as one day. So we see here that... Peter, as he's winding down his ministry, soon he will be martyred for the gospel of Christ. We see Peter's eyes and heart are turning towards eternity, and he's giving us the measurement of eternity. In verse number 9, we see, "...the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering." Aren't you glad that we have a long-suffering God tonight? Uh, If I could sum my testimony up in one word, it would be that God has been long-suffering to this man. Uh, If He hadn't, I wouldn't be here. But God is long-suffering to us word. What is God's will? He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Now he's going to ask the beloved a question. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for Your Word. I'm thankful for the truth. Uh, God, that You are a returning Savior. God, that You are tarrying out of grace and mercy uh, towards us all tonight. God, that all should come to repentance. Now, Father, as I bring the Word, God, I ask God that You would remove me out of the way, that these folks would not hear, God, the limitations of my tongue or my mind, God, but You'd hide me behind Your cross, God, that the gospel may be presented, God, that the saint might be encouraged tonight, God, would You do a work that only You can do, in Jesus' name, Amen. Now tonight, I'm going to ask you, instead of a title, I want to start the sermon with a question, or rather a series of questions. Tonight, I want to ask the question, do you believe in eternity? 
Now I know that seems like a silly question to ask a group of people gathered on a Wednesday night. If you did not believe in eternity, more than likely uh, you wouldn't be here. But I want to take that question a step farther. Do you believe in eternity enough for it to allow to change who you are? Do you believe in eternity enough to allow it to affect your present motivations. Oh sure, we believe that one day each of us will walk through the doors of eternity. We believe that there is a place called heaven. Uh, We believe that there's a place called hell. But do we believe that enough? Has that soaked into our hearts and seeped into our minds enough that we allow it to affect our everyday life? And in these verses here tonight that we've read, we see Peter exhorting us to have an eternal perspective. You see, this world tells us to live for today. This world tells us to seek that which will make you comfortable today because you don't have to worry about tomorrow. But the Bible teaches something different. The Bible tells us, number one, that we are all eternally designed. That when God breathed breath into His creation, the first man, Adam, that He gave him an element, a consciousness of eternity. That explains why after thousands of years, every man, including Adam, has died. Every man, every boy, every girl, every woman, every one of us will have to face death. But after thousands of years of this occurring... It never seems right. It never seems natural. While there might be some that are easier that has lived a a long and nice life, maybe they're easier to let go, but death never feels natural. Why is that? Because God has designed in our hearts a consciousness that there is the reality of an eternity. Each and every one of us will face that. We are eternally designed. Not only that, but we have an eternal date. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says that you and I, every woman, every man, every boy and girl in this room tonight has an eternal appointment. It says, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Not only are we designed, not only do we have an eternal date, but we each have an eternal destination. Now I know this isn't common preaching among churches today, but there is a literal place called heaven. I'm glad tonight that heaven's still on the table. That I have a home reserved for me because I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. But I submit to you tonight that if there is a literal place called heaven, then there is a literal place called hell. There is a place of hurt. There is a place of separation. Just as there is a place of hope and there is a place of sovereign presence of God's presence in our life. There is a place called heaven and there is a place called hell. And we are eternally heading towards one of those tonight. Now in this here and now culture, it's easy to lose sight of eternity. Now, are these verses is what God has for us tonight is telling us to cast aside all the things that our earthly lives are made up for? 
Is He telling us not to worry about our families? Is He telling me, Zach, not to worry about the job I have to go to tomorrow or the choice of education or young people where you're going to go to school, who you're going to marry? Does all those things matter if there is an eternity? And the the answer is yes, they absolutely matter. What Peter is trying to tell us is that because there is a reality of eternity, every one of those choices should be viewed in the light of it. We should view every decision, every word that I let come out of my mouth, every action, every relationship should be viewed in the light that there is an eternity, that there is a purpose to my life, that there is a plan and it is an eternal plan. So very quickly, I want us to look in 2 Peter chapter 3 and find three steps that God has for me and you to obtain an eternal perspective. Number one, I want us to look in verse number 11. Let's read it once more. It says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Then he asks us this question that we brought up earlier. Of what manner of persons ought my wife should be? What manner of person should Pastor Ralph be? No, no, Peter gets personal. Peter said, hey, if you're going to have an eternal perspective, you're going to have to look inward before you look anywhere else. He said, what manner of persons ought ye to be? Tonight, when I stand before God, if God would open the doors of eternity tonight and I had to step through those and I stand before a holy and righteous God, I will be standing as an individual My wife will not be standing next to me. My children will not be standing next to me. My pastor will not be standing next to me. You say, what are you saying, Brother Zach? I'm telling you that at that time where you face God and what you have done with the life that He has given you, there will be no blame. We live in a society that everything is someone else's fault. We're a reactionary society. Well, I wouldn't have done this if so-and-so wouldn't have said that. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight if you stepped into eternity, there will be no blame cast in eternity. We'll be standing before a holy God. I am responsible for what God has given me. He said, what manner of persons ought ye to be? It's an inward inspection. We must inspect ourselves. There are two things that we must look within ourselves for. Number one, if we're going to have an inward um, inspection, we must look at our salvation. First thing I must look into my heart for and ask myself if I'm going to have an eternal perspective is have I been born again? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 5, to examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Tonight, how great of a tragedy would it be, young person, mom, dad, pastor, Sunday school teacher, to be surrounded by the things of God your entire life. To go to every meeting, to go to every Awana, to finish every Awana book, to go to every Thrive, to be consistently and constantly surrounded by the things of God, yet to miss out on the gift of salvation. Can you imagine the tragedy of someone 
coming to church their entire life, yet the day, the moment, the minute they step into eternity, they are without God. The Bible tells us of a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious man. Nicodemus had made it to the very top rung of religious society. Nicodemus was a respected man. If you would have gone anywhere in town and mentioned his name, they would have linked that to morality. They would have said, I don't know if there's a better person in this town than Nicodemus. Nicodemus knew the law like the back of his hand. Nicodemus kept the law. Yet one night he had a conversation with our Savior. And although he was a religious man, although he was a respected man, Jesus told him, Nicodemus, you are an empty man. He said, yes, you're moral. Yes, you're religious. But ye must be born again. And tonight, I know it's a Wednesday night crowd, but God can save you on a Wednesday night just like He can save you on a Sunday morning. I'm telling you that God knew you were going to be here tonight and you've spent your entire life around the things of God, but you don't know Him. What a tragedy. How heartbreaking. God help me. How heartbreaking would it be to have a family that loves you, to have a mom and dad that prays for you, yet you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of the saddest words ever spoken in the Bible are written in the book of Matthew. It gives us a glimpse of eternity future. The Bible tells us there will be a group of religious people stand before God. And God's going to say these words, Depart from me, for I never knew you. They're going to reply, they're going to say, We have cast demons out in your name. We have performed miracles. And God Himself is going to look them in the eye and say, I never knew you. Now when He says that, He's not speaking intellectually. Intellectually, God knows every heart and every life in this building tonight. What He's saying is, is although you've had the rigorous and repetition of religion, you've never had a relationship with Me, I don't know you. I wonder tonight if God Himself would publish the date that you were going to step into eternity. And you had it in service with you tonight. And you opened that up and it said that this was your last service. Christian, I wonder where our priorities would be if we knew that at the very end of this service in just a few minutes that Christ was going to step out and time will be no more and we're going to step into eternity. I wonder what our priorities would be within this service. I wonder how much attention would be given to God's Word. I wonder if we would even need to make a call to pray if we knew eternity would, we be, would begin when we walked out those doors that we would face God. Well, in our Scripture tonight, Peter's telling us it could be this very night. That it will come as a thief. Unexpected. Oh, I can't tell you how many times that I, unfortunately due to the line of work I'm in, I've had 
to talk to families and everything that they, every time. It, we weren't expecting it. I've had to go and tell parents of an 18-year-old. I've had to go and I've held a child in my arms. I've seen a hundred plus year old cross into eternity. And let me tell you, it is never expected. Tonight could be your last service. And if that be the case, we need to look inward. The Bible says you must be born again. Christ Himself is pursuing a relationship with you. No one likes to think about eternity. Because eternity makes you think about where your life's at. What you have accomplished for God. And I'll never forget just a few months before I accepted Christ my Savior. God saved me as an 11-year-old boy, and that was in October. And I guess probably, I know I was out of school. It was during summer break, but if you drive down Lester Highway tonight on your way home and at the intersection of O'Donnell Road, you'll see a little brown and white single-wide trailer that sits off the side of the road. And all that summer, I, that, you'll see a picture window on the end of that, and that, my bed laid parallel to that. And I had never been in church in my life. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't know God's name even in the proper context. But all that summer, something began to stir in my heart. And it began to make me think about what happens after this. I couldn't explain it. I didn't know what it was called. But God was beginning to pursue me. Before I even knew who He was, God began to draw me. And tonight, God has drawn you here to this very location to pursue a relationship with you. That way you never have to hear, depart from me, for I never knew you. You can hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. How do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You acknowledge who you are. That you're a sinner. That you deserve to be separated from God. And then you place your faith. You believe. You believe that God sent His only begotten Son on your behalf and on my behalf to die a death that I deserved. And not only that, but then we place our faith that God overcame my sin and God overcame death through the resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. And you place your faith in that. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's pursuing you tonight. Look inward. Not only do we look inward for our salvation, but we must look inward for our service. Church family, it's not only going to be the lost that stands before God. Now since that morning as an 11 year old boy, I'm eternally secure. I am as good for heaven as if I'm already there. Matter of fact, the Scripture says I'm already seated on His right hand in Christ Jesus. But I still have to give account for the gift of salvation. What have I done since God has redeemed me? 
The Bible tells us that every believer will stand before God with what you've done with the privilege and opportunity of being a believer in Jesus Christ. He's saying not only must we look inward at our salvation, but we must look inward at our service. Our churches are consumed with self. The reason why we don't see revival, the reason why we don't see God move like He wants to move in our churches, it's because there's something wrong with our service. Not the schedule, but our heart. There's something wrong because we're not serving God with the right frame of mind. We're not serving God with an eternal perspective. We're serving God for ourselves. The Bible tells us a story, I believe it's in John chapter 6, Jesus just performed a miracle. He multiplied bread and He fed a multitude. And they said when that happened, the multitudes begin to throng Him. They just begin, no matter where our Savior went, He couldn't hardly find ground to walk on. There were so many people. And He turns around, I believe it's in verse 26, and He says, Ye follow Me not for the miracles, but for the bread. He said, it's not about Me being Messiah. It's about the meal you get. And can I say that describes the modern church better than I have ever seen in my life? And that describes Zach's attitude sometimes. No longer do we walk in the doors and ask, what can I do for God through the church? But rather we come in with a checklist, what can God in the church do for me? We're looking for a benefits package. Our churches are hindered. What God wants us to do, what God wants us to accomplish for eternity to make an impact, are hindered because our service is hindered by self. And I said all this to say this right here. You will not only give account for what you did after you got saved, but you're going to give an account for why you did it. God is concerned with your motives. It's not enough to come to church. You've got to come for the right reason. It's not enough to read your Bible, young person, just so when your mom and dad walk by your room, they see you reading it. You've got to become engrafted in God's Word. Verse 11 says, What manner of persons ought ye to be? That word ought... When you break that word down, and I'm hurrying very quickly, that word ought means knitted together. What's Peter saying? He's saying, hey, if you're living with eternity in mind, your life, when someone looks at their life, they're not going to be able to say, see where you begin and God starts. Your will will be His will, and God's will will be your will. His word will be your words. His mission will be your mission. Your life has become grafted to Jesus Christ. Examine yourselves tonight, church family. If someone looks at your life, will they say they're knitted together with Christ? They mirror Jesus Christ. After all, that's what He has called us to be. He's called us to be disciples. Not only should we have an inward perspective, we should have 
an upward perspective. Peter is imploring us to look to haste, looking unto, hastening unto the coming. Listen, if you have your eyes on me, if you have your eyes on any of the staff, if you have your eyes on your husband, if you have your eyes on your wife, your girlfriend, it doesn't matter. You will end up disappointed. You will end up distraught and discouraged. And let me tell you, no one knew that better than Peter. Peter's one of my favorite disciples and apostles because he's just like Zach. Peter was impulsive. Peter was all in or nothing his whole life. Peter was the one that drew the sword out when they came to get Jesus. I mean, he's all in and then he was all out. I think all of us can see a little bit of ourselves in the apostle tonight. But Peter knew... See, Peter had... Experience, if you look back in Luke chapter 22 when you get home, he knew what it meant to take his eyes off of Jesus. It says he followed Jesus afar off. And there's a lot that we could go into, but the end result was Peter was distracted, discouraged, and defeated. That's not God's intention for your life, Christian. We must have an upward perspective. Get your eyes off everyone else. Look unto heaven. Look unto His coming. And then lastly, in closing, number three, we must have an outward perspective. Number one, I've got to take care of myself. I've got to look inside. I've got to know that I'm saved. I've got to know that I'm serving. I've got to know that I'm submitted, that I'm sold out. Number two, I've got to look up. I've got to get my eyes off everyone else and get my eyes on Jesus, then number three, it's time for me to get outside of the walls. It's time, if I have the faith, if I place my faith in Jesus Christ, now it's time to live my faith out loud. What a fitting intro to this sermon for these two brethren that serve God on the mission field. God has not called us to sit on this pew. Every person here tonight has been called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each one of us have a field. See, an eternal perspective is not about sticking walls up and living in a bubble. Don't talk to me. Don't play that music. That's not God's intention. He, want, he, he has ordained us to be an agent of His grace. He has inserted us for infiltration against the enemy. So wherever you're at, the assembly line at Borg Warner, Inca Middle School, Inca High School, He has put you there on purpose. I can't go into Inca Middle School. They won't listen to me. I don't look like them. I don't sound like them. I'm too old for them. But God's put you in school wherever you go. God's put you on the assembly line. God's put you on the front desk. That's your field. And if we have an eternal perspective, it will be an outward. It'll be getting outside of these walls. It'll be sharing the gospel. As a 12-year-old boy, God saved me and then Soon thereafter, 
God called me to preach. God began to burden my heart to... And there's nothing more anti-Zach than speaking in front of people. There's nothing more that I don't like. Especially starting a conversation with someone I don't know. And I remember it was on a Sunday afternoon. My mom, there was a quilt shop in Kmart Plaza on Patton Avenue. And she would go into that quilt shop in between church and I would sit in the truck. Just bored out of my mind. There was no cell phones, right? No angry birds to play. And I remember that God had burdened my heart. He said, I want you to go out and I want you to stand in front of the Kmart. And he said, I want you to tell someone about me. And I said, God, there's no way. I can't do it. That's not me. I can't even speak without stuttering. How am I going to tell someone? I've only been saved a year. How am I going to do it? He said, go. I mean, just as if, I'm not saying I heard an audible voice, but it might as well have been. And I'll never forget it. And he said, if you're going to preach, you've got to share. Before you get behind the pulpit, you've got to get in front of the Kmart. And I walked up there and there was a, one of those horses that you put the quarters in and they rock back, and there wasn't a soul around. I just stood there. And I was just about to walk away. And a young man came out. And he just stood at the drink machine. And the Holy Spirit went. I began to talk to him. His name was Nelson. And I prayed God would help me to find Nelson again. I didn't... I knew zero scripture. I had no church background. You say, what did you do? I just told him what God did for me. I said, I know you don't know me. I said, but just a year ago, God saved me. My life was a mess. My family was splitting up. And God sent me to a church. he, He told me that He loved me. And He told me that I could be saved and that I could be forgiven. And that He would give me peace and I could go to heaven. And I said, would you like that? And that little boy, Nelson, 11 years old, tears started pouring down his face. And he said, yeah, I would. And there we knelt down at Kmart. And Nelson accepted Christ as a Savior. And I was so inexperienced, I didn't get his number. I, I mean, I didn't know nothing about discipleship. I was just on cloud nine. And I have a little soul winner's Bible and I meant to bring it with me tonight. And that was the Bible I had been carrying. And in the back of it's Nelson, age 11. 10, 12 of 96. It wasn't about, listen, I'm not telling you anything about me. But what I am saying, if God can use me, He sure can use you. We've got, we have to get outside of these walls. Let the pews get holes in them. Let the carpet be dirty. Let the toilet paper be empty in the bathrooms. Let the mirrors be dirty. But we have to get outside of these walls. That's all that matters. Seeing then that all 
these things shall dissolve. All these things. Why don't we invest as a church family in something eternal? Invest in the gospel. Invest in your families. See, with an eternal perspective, that prioritizes my life. When I have an eternal perspective, I don't sweat the small stuff. Why in the world would I let a dirty sock left in the floor by my 12-year-old ruin my Bible reading time? Now y'all laugh, but that's the way we are. We let one little thing make us fly off the handle and then we allow it to impact us in our relationship. That The sock in the floor will be gone. That's not eternal. But when we allow the little things to affect our life, they can have an eternal impact. Don't sweat the small stuff. Allow our heavenly hope to set the priorities in your life. So, Zach, I've had a hard day. Lots of things went wrong. Is it going to matter in a hundred years? I got a flat tire. Is it going to matter in 100 years? Are you going to let that rob the joy of having a home in heaven? Are you going to let that hush you up from telling the person in line to you about the gospel? Let's have an eternal perspective. I'm going to ask them to come to the piano. Everyone to stand. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. No one's looking around. I wonder if there would be one here tonight that would say, Pastor Zach, if tonight was my last night on earth and I had to face God, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Would you raise your hand? No one's looking around. I'm not going to come to you. You say, Pastor Zach, will you pray for me? I don't know that I'm saved. Just raise your hand and put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. If you raised your hand, Jesus is here for you. I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come forward, come to this altar, and someone will be here to pray with you and tell you how you can know for sure. Secondly, I'm going to ask for the Christians. If God spoke to your heart, I'm going to ask you to come. This altar is always open. Father, we're grateful, God, that we have an eternal hope. God, may we be people that have set our eyes upon you. God, give us the strength. God, give us the unction. Give us the power to step outside of these walls. God, help us to see everyone. God, as someone that will live somewhere for eternity, burden our hearts as a church family. God, that we might make an eternal impact in a temporary world. It's in your precious name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for being with us today. 
I pray that today God spoke to your heart. You know, it's one thing to hear Ralph talk. It's one thing to hear a choir sing. It's one thing to hear a group bring a special song presentation. But it's altogether different when you're sitting there in that hotel room, in your house, maybe listening on your phone while you're at work, and God speaks to your heart. That's not me. That's not a Baptist, a Methodist, or a Presbyterian church. That's God. That's personal. That's you. And the Bible teaches quite clearly that when God touches your heart, when He speaks to you, that you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Bible teaches that all of us have to have Him. You say, well, Brother Ralph, your dad was a preacher. My dad being a preacher couldn't help me. Well, you say your mama taught Sunday school and she prayed. That couldn't help me. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, not me, not the Baptist, the Bible says that there's none righteous, though not one. Today is the day of salvation. You can begin anew. It can start over. The past can be covered by the blood. You can get out of living in your rearview mirror, the guilt, the problems. God can forgive you and you can start over today. You say, Brother Ralph, how's that possible? Well, a simple prayer is that very beginning. God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. And I promise you, God, from this day forward, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. You can begin again in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you call us, you write to us. We'll send you a copy of the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to get into a local church, a church in your community, that you can have a fellowship of faith that will help you grow and teach you about the Word of God. Today's the day of salvation. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Let's serve the Lord together and let's meet each other in heaven. I'll be praying for you and I ask you to pray for me.